0: Now back to On the Block with Stricken Austin on 93.7 The Ticket
1: and theticketfm.com. Hour one, segment two here on The Block on 93.7 The Ticket. Thanks for dialing in with us here on your Friday. Uh, if you didn't know, we are the Lincoln affiliate now of the Kansas City Royals. That's right, the Royals are back on our airwaves so we want to check out all the action, make sure you tune in right here on 93.7 The Ticket. We get a season preview right now with the, the newest voice of the Royals, Jake Eisenberg. Jake, uh, you were really the first call-up the Royals made this season. You were the voice of the Chasers. They call you up over the offseason. First of all, congratulations on getting the job. How was spring training? How was day one in the uh, the broadcast booth this season?
0: Well, uh, first and foremost, guys, thanks for having me. Uh, yesterday was pretty incredible. This offseason was pretty incredible. Uh, Even last year, you know, getting to do two games with the Royals in May when MJ Melendez made his big league debut and Bobby Wood Jr. in his first big league homer, uh, that was pretty incredible. Spring training was incredible. And I know I keep saying that word a lot, but I haven't come up with many other words to better describe what this experience has been like so far. I mean, with the new coaching staff, all the excitement with the young players, all of the experience of the veteran players, like, you know, the guy with the C on his chest now, Salvador Perez, this is a really fun team that I think is going to surprise some people. And although we didn't see the result that we wanted to yesterday in a 2 nothing loss, you know, it's one game out of 162. There's no team out there that's going to go 162-0. and And I think just seeing a sellout crowd and, you know, 40,000 people packed into the K and everybody vibing and the joy that was radiating, it was, just, it was really special.
1: In your broadcast booth, you're the uh, the Bobby Wood or the MJ Melendez, and the the guy wearing the C, Denny Matthews, been doing it for a long time. What's it like working with him? I, I've never met Denny, but I, I've always heard going reports about him.
0: So believe it or not, that was actually the first time that Denny and I have worked together. Because, uh, mm. well, we didn't work together last May, and we didn't work together at all this spring. Uh, he wasn't down at spring training, and so uh, it was kind of surreal to sit next to him first and foremost, and then you know, to learn from him as the game went on, the way that he sees the game. You know, certainly listening from afar, you kind of understand where his mind might go in the perspective that he looks through, but, you know, then sitting next to him and listening a lot more intensely, a lot more closely to the things that he's saying and what he's observing about how Salvi is throwing back picks to first base when pitches are low and outside or how Michael Matthews receiving relay throws from third base to start a double play. He's got such an incredible baseball acumen that's been built over the course of the 55-year history of the franchise that it's almost impossible to sit next to him and not learn something every other sentence that he says.
1: Let's get into some on-the-field stuff now, too, Jake. Big-picture goals for the Royals this season. I've been saying just be interesting. J- just be interesting. Keep attention late in the year, and not just for you know Royals fans like me who are going to pay attention no matter what, but can they hang around you know, the fringes of the wild card race at least with some of these young guys coming up? Is that kind of the goal uh, the front office has in mind, or what are the goals for the Royals this season?
0: I mean, that was probably one of the main questions that a lot of the reporters were asking both Mr. Sherman and J.J. Piccolo at the opening press conference and first-year manager Matt Quotrero, too. And I think the overarching thing was progress, that this front office and this coaching staff wants to see this team make tangible progress steps forward in some cases that amounts to a number of wins you certainly hope it amounts to a number of wins in some cases that amounts to certain other numbers you know taking a step forward i think to your point Austin. i think this team is going to be interesting really no matter what because you have so many different storylines from zach Granke chasing down three thousand strikeouts to salvi continuing to build a potential hall of fame resume to bobby Wood jr in year two and mj melendez and Vinny pasquantino and michael massey In a full year one, Nate Eaton as well. Can these pitchers take a big step forward as well? Not just Brady Singer, but also Chris Bubish and Daniel Lynch. You know, there are a lot of teams that come into a season where it's kind of World Series or bust, if you will. And there aren't necessarily a ton of different storylines other than, did this team win or did this team lose? And you kind of find yourself trying to find the narratives within the game. I think with the Royals, you have the narratives. You have the storylines. And you see the potential. And now the question is, yes, did this team win or lose? But also, what does that amount to for this year and 2024 and 2025? How do you build something? And that's what we're going to see this year.
1: How, how does Matt Quattrero and his attitude fit into that, that overall plan with the Royals?
0: Well, I think the biggest thing that they targeted with their managerial search and the search for the pitching coach this offseason uh, was they wanted – you know somebody like Matt Quatrero who's come in and have a had a really comfortable vibe in the clubhouse It's clear that he's a player's manager and is you know open to having the players be themselves and express themselves, also taking data and communicating it with the players that's something that everybody's been talking about you know the the level of communication, the level of transparency, and the level of comfort that has gone between the coaching staff and the clubhouse and vice versa the front office and the clubhouse and vice versa. That's what was most palpable in sprint training is how seamless all the different puzzle pieces fit together. And so I think that's where Matt Quattrero can guide this ship and the culture that he's already built is one that allows this young Royals team to be themselves and have a good time and also grow and be challenged. And, you know, again, as Vinny Pasquantino said the other day, you know, every single guy in that clubhouse, every single guy in this organization, every person that is wearing a Royals anything, has their eye on the playoffs, has their eye on the World Series. Vinny said it. If you're coming into the season and that's not your goal, what are you doing? You know, they're here to win. As much as these other storylines about building come into play, they're here to win, and so that's what they're going to try and do.
1: We're talking with the newest voice of the Royals broadcast booth you'll hear here all summer on ninety three seven. The Ticket, Jake Eisenberg. Jake, we are a game into the regular season, uh, not enough to draw huge you know, conclusions from, so let's refer back to spring training here for a second. Who on the big league roster, this first initial 26-man group that's playing for the Royals, did anything that caught your eye in a positive way in spring training?
0: I would, I would say two, two candidates caught my eye. The first is Kyle Isbell, who we know has an elite first step in center field, and it showed off uh, an incredible defensive ability. We saw it yesterday. He made a great catch. Heck, he came inches away from robbing Buxton into that triple. Uh, but we saw in spring training consistency with the bat. We saw a patient approach. We saw him hitting the ball hard and hitting it to all fields. He led the Royals with 17 hits in spring training, and he had, I think, the hardest hit ball by a Royal yesterday, too, his double into the right center field gap. And then the other guy would be Michael Massey, who hit five home runs over the spring tinkered with a new bat during the offseason. He's got one of those larger knobs on the bottom of his bat, kind of a counterweight like we saw Paul Goldschmidt use last season. And he came into the spring, and he raked. And if Michael Massey can be an everyday Major League offensive player like the Royals think he can be, I mean, again, we only saw a little bit of Michael Massey last year. We only saw a little bit of Vinny. We only saw a little bit of MJ. We only saw Kyle Isbell you know, every so often. He wasn't an everyday player. If these guys become everyday players and are everyday players and contribute like everyday players, well, you're looking at a much different team than what we saw last year.
1: Those are two guys on the offensive side of the ball. With the pitching staff, we know the, the change uh, with a lot of the members of the, the pitching, uh, the coaching, how that went down. Just, just who are some of those candidates in your eyes that could benefit from these new voices?
0: Well, I think one of the primary candidates has to be Brad Keller. And part of that is also what he did on his own during the offseason, going to driveline and taking the slider that he's had over the last couple of years and effectively splitting it into two different pitches. He's now got a curveball, and he's also got a sweeping slider, more horizontal break on that slider, not unlike the one we saw Pablo Lopez use yesterday really effectively. But Brad Keller has the chance to be – Somewhat of a completely different pitcher with two brand-new offerings. And when you talk about new offerings, you also talk about Chris Bubich, who's added a slider, has a ton more confidence, still has that fastball, curveball, change of combination too. But you add that slider, Bubich looked really sharp during the spring also. I think those are two guys that could take a pretty significant step forward. And I don't want to disclude uh, Daniel Lynch either, who did also look pretty sharp during the spring and was throwing strikes. He's just going to start the season on the injured list, so we won't see those dividends as soon as maybe Keller or Bubich.
1: Zach Greinke gets the opening day start for the Royals yesterday, but at least for my money, Brady Singer, after what he did last season, is the ace. What are the Royals thinking about how he was used in the World Baseball Classic, and how does that inform their approach with him for these first few weeks?
0: Well, I think that you talk, I talked to Brady about this, you know, about his experience, and he was just raving about all the stuff that he learned and soaked in. And look, not pitching. Is it the most ideal thing in the world? No. When you go to an environment like that, you want to compete, you want to pitch. Um, but there are so many restrictions that are placed on how pitchers were used and when they were used uh, for Team USA and for the other WBC teams that, you know, unfortunately becomes kind of a collateral damage sort of thing. Same with Bobby Wood Jr. Didn't see a ton of the bat. Now that doesn't mean that these guys weren't taking batting practice and, you know, taking hitting development lessons I mean, from guys like Ken Murphy Jr. or uh, throwing bullpen sessions. I mean, Brady was talking about how cool it was to throw a bullpen session in front of Andy Pettit, a guy he grew up, you know, really looking up to, you know, among many other pitchers. So, you know, the number of innings is not necessarily what you want, Brian Sweeney said as much, but Brady Singer also looked really sharp in one of those exhibition games in Texas and threw a little over 5 innings, I want to say. So, as far as getting built up, he's ready for, you know, his first start of regular season in not too long. Now, Uh, I think, you know, the experiences that those two guys gleaned from the WBC, I think far outweigh the, you know, two starts of four innings that Brady might've had against a half big league, half minor league team in Peoria or something, not to be flippant about it. (laughs) You know, just the way I, I might think about it
1: for sure. So your old stomping grounds in Omaha, the storm chasers start their season off tonight who are some of the names that are in AAA to start the season that Royals fans should uh, you know, keep in the back of their mind to look forward to as the season progresses?
0: Oh, I'm so glad you brought that up because I really I wanted to give a, a special shout out to everybody over at Warner Park and the Omaha Storm Chasers who, who kicked off their season tonight, and especially to the new voice of the Omaha Storm Chasers, Nicholas Batters, who you guys would get to hear all season long. Uh, Nick was the broadcaster for the AA Northwest Arkansas Nationals for the last couple of years. He does a fantastic job. He is a perfect fit to be the voice of the Storm Chasers. He grew up going to Omaha Royals games. Uh, you're really going to love listening to him call ball games and following along with everything that he's sharing uh, with the Omaha Storm Chasers. As far as players to keep an eye on, uh, I think tops of the list is Nick Prado, who was battling for an opening day roster spot. And I think in a numbers game, in terms of getting regular at-bats, just wound up in AAA but I think Nick Prado's is always going to be a candidate as someone that, you know, when he starts swinging the bat really well, which he does, and you put along that with his gold glove defense at first base, you're looking at potentially a very special player. So I think Nick prado 's is someone to keep an eye on. Michael Garcia was the prospect that everybody was raving about during spring training. It'll be interesting to see how much he plays shortstop and how much he plays the outfield, because they did talk about Garcia playing a little bit of center field, And the same goes for Nick Lofton, who added – 27 pounds of muscle in the offseason. Whoa, 27 in one offseason. Yes, yeah, 27 huh. pounds in one offseason. And you know what? I remember seeing Nick last August when he got called up to AAA, and I remember seeing Nick when he showed up in spring training, and it was noticeably different. That dude got big in a good way. And uh, look, I, Nick, I don't, I don't think Nick's misleading, but if he is, I think he's got now opposite field power that uh, <laughs> that he might that he might not have had before. He's never hit an opposite field homer. In the pros, but I think it's going to happen in not too long. So, Nick Prado is someone to keep an eye on, too. Another guy that can kind of play a little bit everywhere, infield and outfield. On the pitching side, I mean, this bullpen is loaded. I mean, Colin mm-hmm. Snyder easily could have been on the Royals opening day roster. He had a nasty spring training. Ryan Weiss completely changed his pitching arsenal from fastball curveball to two seam or slider. He's in that bullpen. You've got a seven year big league veteran in Nick Whitgren. Who's a part of that bullpen as well. I think there are some really interesting pieces on the pitching side, you know, and then, you know, among the starters, Austin Cox finished last year, really, really strong on the pitching side. Jackson Kowar is a guy that can benefit from the new pitching development as well. He's also of that pitching staff. So I think there are a lot of really interesting pieces. Frankly, I think that Omaha team is going to be really, really good. Uh, and they're going to be, you know, an exciting team to watch as well.
1: New to not just the Royals, but all of baseball, some new rules in the pitch clock, and the shift ban. Let's start with the pitch clock. I didn't hear a lot from Royals players or coaches about it being a big deal. Does that just mean they're used to it? They've adapted to it. All fine and good on the Royals end.
0: Yeah, and that's the truth. Is you know, not only have they adjusted to it through spring training, but most of them played with it at AAA last year. It's not new to any of them. Frankly, it's not really new to us. We saw it at AAA last year. It is new to a lot of fans who are you know maybe watching Royals baseball for the first time since last season maybe you know didn't necessarily notice it as much in spring training but as far as the players are concerned it's not all that new anymore it's just kind of faded into the background already Uh, let me ask you this Austin did you hear of any pitch clock violations in the Royals Twins game yesterday
1: I did not that's because there weren't any which is excellent the
0: whole point here is that it's it's not going to impact the game the way that it might have been perceived that it might we saw it in AAA last year again this is you know, at this point, nothing new. It's something that you kind of notice when you look up at the end of the game and you go, whoa, that was only two hours and 32 minutes. It felt like a normal game. But what you're realizing is that you're just stripping away so much of the, of the dead time, the fiddling with the batting gloves, the shaking off signs eight times, throwing over to first base 12 times. And you strip that out and you wind up with a really crisp product that we saw yesterday and we saw across baseball. So, no, I don't think the pitch clock, I don't think the bigger bases, I don't think the shift restrictions are something that's really going to have an outsized effect on the way we watch the game or enjoy the game. Frankly, Austin, I would say of the three, the shift restriction is probably the one we're going to notice the most because you're not going to see three infielders on the right side against the left-handed hitter anymore, and you're going to see a few more ground balls get through that right side. That's the one you're going to notice the most. But again, I don't think it's going to swing the needle one way or another all that strongly.
1: We did see a shift from the Royals yesterday, though. They, they moved the right fielder up to, to shallow right field, shift left field and center field over a little bit. Do you expect to see that more against guys like Joey Gallo to try to get an extra fielder there, even though it didn't result in and out? Do you think the Royals are going to keep up that creativity?
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. So we saw them do that in the last exhibition game of the season in Texas
1: mm. when
0: Framil Reyes was playing right field. And that was the first time that I noticed it and Annie Rogers, who's been covering the team for MLB.com, she does a great job, uh, asked Matt Quotrero after the game, and they had actually done it multiple times during spring training. I guess we just weren't paying close enough attention (laughs) to it. Uh, But Hugh said pointedly that there are really only specific circumstances where a defensive alignment like that makes sense. Number one, you've got to have a guy at the plate who has an overwhelming pull percentage. Uh, Number two, that guy can't be all that fast because you don't want to give up an automatic triple if he goes the other way. And I think the third one is you're not really going to see that all that much with runners on base because, again, if he goes the other way, boom, that's a run. So the situation we saw yesterday, Joey Gallo, a guy who pulls a lot, doesn't necessarily have blazing foot speed, and there was nobody on base. It was the perfect situation to do it. Heck, it worked. And I bet, man, I bet MJ really wants that one back. Uh, And I think he'll get another shot at it.
1: There you go. That's the lowdown on the Royals from Jake Eisenberg, the newest voice of the Royals in the broadcast booth. You'll hear him every Royals game here on 93.7 The Ticket. Jake, appreciate your time. Uh, again, congratulations on the official call up to the big leagues. We'll be hearing you call the games. Hope we can catch up again uh, throughout the season.
0: Thank you very much guys. And, and hey, again, happy opening day to Royals fans and more importantly today, happy opening day to Omaha Storm Chasers fans. I am so excited to tune in That ball game tonight and listen to nick uh with the team in indy
1: absolutely there he is jake eisenberg appreciate it jake talk soon all right take care big thanks to jake eisenberg of the kansas city royals for his time here on the show good stuff from jake as a royals fan i'm excited for the season uh as jake laid out all the reasons there: exciting young young position players new pitching development what does that result in this year and moving forward, plenty of time to get into that uh, throughout the season. Again, one game in, the Twins beat the Royals 2 0 yesterday. Uh, 161 more games to go. We got a game coming up next, though. That's right. We got the shootout with Strick. He's taking a couple days off. We'll see if it's rust or rest for Strick. We're talking about final four teams in their uh, career leaders how well do you know your final four teams if you think you have a shot to take down eric strickland in the shootout call now 402-464-5685 15 to buffalo wings and rings on the line we'll play the shootout on the other side